group of folks, and uh, I told Darren to make me look good. He did a good job, didn't he? All right, I tell you what, I didn't know I didn't know I had all them qualities till after he got done there. So uh, thank you so much. And uh, I was talking to a preacher recently. I said uh, he's going to come and speak at an event. And I said, brother, do you have a, a biographical paragraph you could share? Just some background. He said he said this. He said I'm a sinner saved by grace. He said that's it. That's all I got, man. I'm a sinner saved by grace. And so I think all of us uh, can rejoice in that. Uh, this morning, if you have your Bibles, I'm preaching from Matthew chapter 14. I'll be again reading in verse number 22, Matthew chapter 14, and beginning in verse number 22. What I'll be sharing with you this morning is truth for troubled times. We're living in troubled times. I think most people, many people, sense there's a growing evil in the world. How many of us feel that way this morning? There's a growing evil in the world. Uh, things that used to be done in the darkness, now done in the light. Things that used to be in the closets coming out in the open. Uh, things that used to embarrass people and make people feel ashamed. People are marching up and down the street. Uh, they're proud of their sinful choices. And so there's a growing evil in the world. I think there, there is a sense among many Christians that we're nearing the day, the time. The hour when our Lord, His coming, is sooner, nearer than it's ever been before. And so for many Christians, we feel that uh, we're living in the last days. But I think that some are struggling, many are struggling, even churches, even Christians are struggling because many of them feel like the struggles of daily life are somewhat overwhelming. There are challenges, there are health challenges, uh, challenges at work, challenges in people's careers, Uh, challenges in people's families, things that people are facing uh, in this day that perhaps uh, they haven't gone through before or the intensity of those things is growing. And so we're living in some troubled times, but there's hope on the horizon. Amen? And uh, I believe that Jesus gives peace. I believe Jesus gives joy. And I believe Christians have an occasion to rejoice. And so what I am praying for this morning is that as a result of discovering these truths in God's Word, truth for troubled times, that we'll leave rejoicing. That, uh, like David said, uh, uh, restore to me the joy of thy salvation. And so I believe God's people have reason to rejoice, and we can rejoice. I was with a group of preachers this week, and one of them told me the story about a lady who had a pet bird. It was one of those birds, you know, that sings or chirps or whatever they do. I don't know what you call that, the bird, bird music, whatever it is. And it was one of them chirping birds. And the lady was noticing that the cage needed to be cleaned out, and so she decided to take her vacuum cleaner, the hose of it, and she was cleaning it out, and then the phone rang. And she just left that hose in there, and then she got on the phone and forgot and got busy and come back. And what had happened, the vacuum cleaner had sucked that bird right up inside of it. And uh, so she uh, thought, how in the world am I going to get that thing out of there? So she opened the bag, and she managed to get that bird out, and she tried to clean it off. And I don't remember what all he said that it went through, but she, this poor old bird went through everything in, in the world. But by the time it was over with, the bird actually survived. And so when she told her friends and family about it, they said, well, how's the bird doing? And said, well, he's, he's still all right, but he don't sing a whole lot anymore, you know. <laughs> And so maybe you came into church this morning. Maybe that's how you feel. Maybe you've lost your song. Maybe you've lost your joy. 
uh, or uh, you may be going through some struggles and life just feels a little bit heavy. And I believe this message is for you. You say, well, Brother Randy, I'm doing good. You know, everything's great. I uh, really don't have any problems or struggles. So this sermon probably isn't for me. Well, it's for you too, friend, because if you don't need it today, I assure you there's coming a day when you will need the truths that are taught in this passage because we're all going to go through something sometime. We're all going to have storms in life. We're all going to face challenges. And so here, I believe Jesus helps us uh, with the truths for troubled times. Matthew chapter 14, verse 22. The Bible says, In straightway Jesus constrained his disciples to get into a ship and to go before him unto the other side while he sent the multitudes away. And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up into a mountain apart to pray. And when the evening was come, he was there alone. But the ship was now in the midst of the sea, tossed with waves, for the wind was contrary. And in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went unto them walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It is a spirit. And they cried out for fear. But straightway Jesus spake unto them, saying, Be of good cheer. It is I, be not afraid. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it be thou, bid me come unto thee on the water. And he said, Come. And when Peter was come down out of the ship, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried, saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand and caught him and said unto him, O thou of little faith, wherefore didst thou doubt? And when they were coming to the ship, the wind ceased. Then they that were in the ship came and worshipped him, saying, Of a truth, thou art the Son of God. Would you bow with me as we pray together? And Lord, we call on you today and we pray, Lord, that you will speak these truths into our hearts and lives. And Lord, help us to stand on these wonderful truths. Help us to leave here today with joy in our hearts. And Father, may you feel the need in every person's life today. Have your way in us. And Lord, if there's somebody here that's never been saved, Father, we pray that today will be that day. That they'll call on the name of Jesus, that they'll be born again. And we ask for your will to be done. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, Amen and Amen. Now here is an example in the Bible of one of Jesus' disciples who did something no person's ever done. He walked on the water with Jesus. But he took his eyes off Jesus, he began to sink, and he got in trouble. And I think that disciple is a picture of, of you and I in our walk with Christ, sometimes we feel like we're sinking. Sometimes it feels like life is overtaking us. It feels like the challenges in this world uh, that we're facing are going to bring us to ruin. And that's probably how Peter felt. He felt desperate. He felt frustrated. He felt like a failure and all those things. But the Lord Jesus sustained him in all of it. And I believe this morning that Jesus is enough and that He's sufficient in every problem we face in life. Every decision that we make, I believe Jesus is enough. I don't think there's anything in life that we face that's bigger than Him. 
I believe that when Jesus walked on the water, it demonstrated that He is absolutely all-powerful. That He's the sovereign Son of God. There isn't anything Jesus can't do. And just like the old songwriter said, the waves that roll over my head are under His feet. I believe all the problems of life are beneath the feet of Jesus. I believe He's absolutely sovereign over all troubles. And that's why we can have confidence in Him. I want to give you several reasons. First of all, I believe we can be confident in this Savior because He's guiding us. He's leading us. He's guiding us. He has a plan for our life. And He is guiding us through the decisions of life. If you go back and look at verse 14, the Bible, I'm sorry, verse 22, the Bible says, and straightway Jesus constrained His disciples. He constrained them. What does that mean? It means that Jesus commanded them to make a decision to follow His will. Jesus commanded them, and they followed the commands of Jesus. He constrained them. He led them into a ship. He led them, and so the storm did not surprise Jesus, didn't take Him by surprise. The problems that you go through, that I go through, do not take Jesus by surprise. There are no surprises to God. God knows everything that is, and He knows everything that's going to happen in our lives. And so He led His disciples to this moment because He was guiding them, He was leading them, He had a plan for their life, and this was the will of God for them. And so in other words, God was about to lead them through something. And God knew what was best for them. Now maybe they would not have agreed with Jesus. Maybe they would have thought of a different way. Maybe they they thought things would have been better if things would have been different. And maybe that's how we feel sometimes. Maybe we think things ought to work out a little bit differently than the way they're going. But God knows what is best for our lives. And He knew what was best for these disciples. If you know the context of this passage, you know that this was a moment that the people had gathered around Jesus, thousands of people, and because of the miracles of Jesus, the people wanted to crown Him as King. But Jesus knew this was not the moment, that this was not the way. And He knew that His disciples could be caught up in all of the hype and all of the enthusiasm that they could lose control of their emotions, that they could fall in with the crowd and go the way that was not the will of God. And so at this moment, Jesus sovereignly made the decision to lead His disciples away from the crowd, away from this situation, and He instructed them to go into the ship and to go before Him unto the other side. Now notice that Jesus did not command them to get into a ship and to go out into the sea halfway and to sink the boat. That was never the plan of Jesus. But His instructions was for them to get into the ship and to go to the other side. And dear friend, let me say to you today that the ship that we're in will not sink because Jesus is on board that ship. We don't ever have to worry about the church going out of business. We don't ever have to worry about uh, the things in life because Christ is leading us. He is guiding us. We are His people and He's going to take care of His people. Amen? And He's going to provide everything that we need along the way. And so God did not call you as a Christian just to go halfway in this journey of salvation and for the ship to sink. 
But dear friend, I've got some good news for you this morning. The same God as Paul said, He who has begun a good work in me shall perform it until the day of salvation. The good work that God began in you, He will see through until the very end. And He's going to carry you not only through this life, but through death and through the other side to eternal life. I believe that uh, what uh, I, I shared with a preacher recently, uh, somebody was talking about uh, getting older and the potential uh, of uh, near death. And I said to them, I'm going to live the life that God wants me to live. And I'm going to die the death that God wants me to die. And then, dear friend, I'm going to spend eternity forever with Him. Amen? Because God is not going to sink this ship part of the way through. He's going to see it to the other side. And so this wonderful truth, I believe is a bedrock, is a foundation upon which God's people can stand is that God is leading us and guiding us every step of the way and He'll see us through to the other side. But I believe there's a second truth here and that is that not only is Jesus guiding us, but Jesus is praying for us. Isn't that wonderful to know? Look in verse 23. When he had sent the multitudes away, where did Jesus go? The Bible says he went up into a mountain apart to pray. He went up into a mountain apart, away from the crowd, alone, the Bible says. When the evening was come, he was there alone. Jesus understood the importance of spending time alone with the Father. And if it was important for the life of Jesus and the ministry of Jesus, if it was important to the Son of God, should it not be essential to the people who follow God? Should it not be a priority for the church to take time, to take seasons? Do you remember the old hymn, Sweet Hour of Prayer? And I wonder how many Christians spend an actual 60 minutes alone with God in prayer. There was a survey done of pastors. These are men who are leading churches. Men who are standing in pulpits. Men who are preaching the gospel. And this survey found that the vast majority of these preachers were spending less than 15 minutes a day alone with God. Dear friend, it's no wonder we're in the shape we're in when the men in leading churches don't take time to pray. God's people ought to be a praying people. In fact, Jesus said you'll be known for this. He didn't say you, the church would be known for its beautiful building. He didn't say the church would be known for its wonderful programs. He didn't say the church would be known for how much money it had. He didn't say the church would be known for its beautiful music or its eloquent preacher or pastor. He said, my house will be known as a house of prayer. The reputation of the church ought to be that of prayer. You see, because Jesus is the model prayer warrior. And anybody who wants to follow Jesus ought to be a man or woman who spends time alone with the Father. Dear friend, we cannot undervalue the great necessity of prayer. You see, because where there's prayer, there's power. Where there's prayer, I believe heaven comes down. As uh, the old hymn said, let heaven come down, may heaven come down, and glory fill my soul. That's what we need today. We need heaven to come down. We need glory to fill our souls. 
People are lonely. People are hurting. People are broken. And the only way to satisfy the deep longings of the human heart is for heaven to come down and glory to fill our souls. And the only way for heaven to come down is God's people got to pray it down. Amen? we got to spend time in fervent prayer. The Scripture says the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. And when God's people pray, things happen. Jesus said, ask it'll be given. Knock, it'll be open. Seek and you shall find. When God's people are asking and knocking and seeking, they'll get answers. And so Jesus, the great prayer warrior, is our model, is our example. And he got alone with the Father and he prayed. Where is Jesus today? How important is prayer? Well, the scripture teaches that it's so essential that the current ministry of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, upon dying for our sin on the cross, after taking our place and meeting our deepest need on the cross, atoning for sin, laying down His life, and rising again from the grave, where did Jesus go? He ascended back to heaven to the right hand of the Father. What is He doing there? Dear friend, He's praying for you and I. Look in the book of Romans, chapter 8. The Scripture says, What shall we then say to these things? Romans 8, Romans 8, verse 31. What shall we then say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? He that spared not His own Son, but delivered Him up for us all. How shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who shall lay anything to the charge of the elect? It is God that justifieth. Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died, yea, rather that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who also, the Bible says, maketh intercession for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword? No, verse 37 says, In all these things we are more than conquerors to him that loved us. Paul said, For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus. Dear friend, we can rejoice when life gets stormy. We can rejoice when there's trouble on the horizon because we've got a Savior who's at the right hand of the throne of God ever making intercession for the saints of God. And upon the basis of the prayer ministry of Jesus, I believe that the church will not only survive, but I believe the church will conquer. I believe the church is victorious. And I believe the Christian is victorious because my Savior is praying for me. Do you feel His prayers? Do you ever sense, do you ever certain days, certain moments, certain things you're going through, do you ever sense somebody somewhere must be praying for me? you ever feel that way? Do you know if you do, you're absolutely correct. There's somebody praying for you. And His name is Jesus. And He's praying for you. And hopefully there are saints of God in the church who are praying for you. And Lisa and I make it a habit of praying for pastors and missionaries. 
our children and grandchildren and people, our friends and family and neighbors and people that are lost, we do this on a daily basis and often we'll join our hands together and our hearts together and we'll pray together because there's an urgent need. And we do this because our Savior taught us to do so and we believe it's worthwhile. And so, dear church, whatever business you're in, it ought to be in the prayer ministry. Amen? It ought to be following the example of our Savior, Jesus Christ, who went apart from the crowds, and He got alone with the Father, and He prayed. And don't you know, He was fully aware of those disciples out there on that sea, and those waves, and that wind, and those, those waves, and the water that was coming into the ship and threatening the lives of those disciples. Didn't you know He saw them struggling? He saw them in the fourth watch of the night. He saw them in the early hours, somewhere between 3 a.m. and 6 a.m. that morning, struggling. They had been out there struggling in the storm, in the waves, in the wind, all night. He saw the struggle. He knows the struggle of His people. He knows your struggles. He knows your heartaches. He knows your disappointments. He knows your dreams. He knows the things that burden you. He knows the challenges of life. And He knows every circumstance and everything you're going through. And He's praying for you. And dear friend, that's all we need is the Savior praying for us. And so, we're not only comforted by this truth that Jesus is praying for us, Jesus is guiding us, But also, I want to show you another thing. Look in verse number 24. The Bible says, But when the ship was now in the midst of the sea, tossed with waves, for the wind was contrary, the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went unto them. Notice that. Jesus went unto them. Now, He didn't just go to them. He went walking on the sea. The God of my salvation, the Savior, the Messiah, the Christ, the Anointed One, the Son of God, the Promised One, Jesus, the Lord Jesus Christ. My Savior is one who walks on water. The God I serve walks on water. The Savior my hope and trust in is the Savior who walks on water. The Jesus that will return someday. The Jesus who forgave all my sin. Jesus who died on the cross. Jesus walks on water. And He walked on water and He went to these disciples. How does that come from me? Well, dear friend, not only is He guiding me, not only is He praying for me, but dear friend, He's with me. Amen. He's with me. His presence is with me. His presence is with me. He is here today. He is with His people. He walks with you. He comes to you in your hour of need. He comes to you in your disappointments. He comes to you in life's troubles. He comes to you in the moment of decision. He comes to you when there are obstacles before you. And Jesus is with you. His nearness, dear friend, is a comfort to our hearts. The very fact that Jesus walks beside of us, dear friend, brings great comfort to the hearts of His church and His people. He has called us to share an unpopular message. An unpopular message in a world that needs to hear the gospel. An unpopular message that people don't want to hear. That people want to make fun of. They want to laugh about. Well, they can laugh their way into hell, but they'll never laugh their way out. Amen? But this unpopular message... 
of the gospel. But what did he say about it? In Matthew 28, Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. Now notice this. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. Jesus said, I am with you always. That word always means all the days. All the days. The good days. The bad days. The days of pure joy and bliss. And the days of deep depression and sadness. The difficult days as well as the as the days of victory, Jesus said, I'll be with you all the days. He is with us as we carry the message of the gospel to a lost and a dying world. And so this comforts us. Truth for troubled times. Jesus is with us. He went to be with the disciples. There's a fourth truth, and that is that Jesus will strengthen you. He will strengthen you. Peter said... Peter said, Lord, if it be thou, bid me to come unto thee. He recognized that it was Jesus. At first they thought it was a ghost or a spirit. But they recognized it was Jesus. And he said, Lord, if it be thou, bid me to come unto thee on the water. He wanted to be beside the Savior. You can say what you want about Peter. You can criticize him for all of his failures. But one thing about him, that old boy wanted to be wherever Jesus was. And i got a lot of respect for anybody who feels that away. You know, he may be the disciple who sunk, but he's the only disciple who got out of the boat. Amen? He may be the disciple who got his eyes off Jesus, but he's the only disciple who walked on water with Jesus. You remember later in the Gospel of John, after the resurrection of Jesus, before the ascension of Jesus back to glory, you remember when he met the disciples there, Peter said, I'm going fishing. And he didn't just say, I'm going on a casual fishing trip. He said, I'm returning to the career of fishing. In other words, I'm going to quit the ministry and go back to fishing. He got discouraged and depressed, and Jesus came to him. You remember Peter's the one who denied the Lord three times. You remember Jesus warned him that he was going to do this and made a prophecy about the, 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 the uh, rooster crowing in which it did and it brought conviction. Peter went out and wept bitterly. But there on the, the shore, Jesus stood and he spoke to the disciples before they recognized him. And he told them where to cast their nets. And when they did, they got a great load of fish. And Peter realized it was Jesus, and when he did, he, he jumps out of the boat and swims to the shore. About every time you read about Peter, he's doing something like that. Why did he do it? Why did he jump out of the boat? Because Jesus was on the shore, and there was water between him and Jesus, and he went to swimming because he wanted to be where Jesus was. I got a lot of respect for anybody who wants to be where Jesus is. And when a person is that determined and makes up his or her mind, the old preacher Vance Havner said, he said, we got some people who need to make up their minds and set their faces on following Jesus. He said, nobody's going to heaven backwards. Amen? You're not going to go to heaven backwards. Set your mind, set your face, set your heart on following Jesus. And that's what Peter did. And he walked on the water And when he was weak, what did Jesus say about him? He said, 
And by the way, anybody that wants to be closer to Jesus can be. He invited him. He said, come. He says the same thing to you this morning. If you want to be closer to Jesus, he says, come. Jesus stands here with His arms wide open, inviting us nearer, closer. If you're here and far from God, He invites you to come to taste and experience and to see and to be saved and to be set free and to be forgiven. He invites us to come. He said, come unto me. Any who is thirsty, come unto me. Come unto me. Those who are heavy laden, come unto me. And you'll find rest. Jesus invites us to come. He invited Peter to come. Peter went. Peter took his eyes off of Jesus, as you know, and he began to look at his circumstances. And any time we do that, we're going to sink. We're going to fall. We're going to fail. We're going to be discouraged. We're going to lose our joy. Peter took his eyes off Jesus, began to sink, and he was afraid. He was afraid because he was looking around and he got his eyes off of Christ and he was looking at the effects of the wind. And when he did, he began to sink. But immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand and called him and said, O thou little faith. Now, he wasn't talking about the measure of his faith faith because even a little faith can move mountains. Even a small faith can accomplish great things. It's the object of faith that matters. Not the measure of faith, not whether it's a large faith or small faith, but the little faith here, really what Jesus is saying is you've got a weak faith. A weak faith. Because the object of your faith, Peter, the object of your faith, your circumstances. He took his eyes off of Christ when Christ was the object of his faith. Peter walked on the water. But whenever the object of his faith became his circumstances, became his ability to do it aside from Jesus, that's when his faith became weak. And dear friend, the Bible says, Jesus said, without me you can do nothing. Not a little bit, not a few things. But Jesus said nothing, not anything. So the object of our faith is what is important, not the measure. And Peter took his eyes off of Jesus and his faith became weak. Sometimes we're weak. Sometimes we struggle. But aren't you thankful that Jesus is a supply of strength? Paul said in Philippians 4, chapter 4, verse 13, I can do all things through Christ who does what? Strengthens me. Jesus will strengthen us in our walk. He will strengthen us for the task at hand. He will strengthen us as we face the storms. He will strengthen us. And the Bible says be strong. Being strong is not optional for the child of God. You see, the world's got enough weak churches, weak preachers, weak Christians. Jesus said, God taught us to be strong in the Lord. Paul said, put on the whole armor of God that you can stand against the wiles of the devil. God's people are to be strong in the Lord. And strong in the power of the Holy Spirit who resides in us. And there is a strength available to us. That there is no storm and no obstacle, dear friend, that we can't be victorious through that storm. So these truths are truths for troubled times.
Now, I want you to see this as we conclude, and that is that Jesus brought peace into that tumultuous situation. And it says in verse 32, when they were coming to the ship, the wind ceased. There was a calm, a holy calm. And it said, Then that they that were in the ship came and worshipped Him, saying, Of a truth, Thou art the Son of God. Now listen, God the Father had said of Jesus already in the Gospel, This is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. God the Father had said, This is my Son. Even the demons where Jesus was casting out demons, even the demons had declared, This is the Son of God. But the disciples up to this point had not made this statement. This is the first time that they make this statement. And so it is through the process of this storm that they come to this understanding and revelation in a deeper way. In other words, it brought them closer to Jesus and their worship was richer. Their life, their, their lives were nearer to God than they'd ever been before. Now, friend, the Bible says... Romans 8, 28, And we know all things work together for good to them that love God and are called according to His purpose. God has taken us through every storm and He's teaching us things about Himself that we would never know or learn had we not walked through trouble. And won't you be thankful when your life is nearer to God as a result of what you've been through. And dear friend, let's be like that. And there's a peace and a calm that God brings to every situation while heads are bowed and eyes are closed. And oh, dear friend, what I want to ask you is this. Do you have a peace in your soul? Do you have a peace of knowing that if you were to die today that you would spend eternity in heaven? Do you know that for certain? If you don't know that for certain, God wants you to know that for certain. And He's calling you to come and make the most important decision you've ever made in your life, that's to give your life to Jesus Christ and be saved. You see, you'll leave here in one of two ways. You'll either leave here a child of God or you'll leave here a sinner far from God. You'll either either leave here as a person who is on your way to heaven or you'll leave here as one who is separated from God because your sin is on the way to hell. And friend, today, God wants you to be saved. And so I invite you to come experience this peace like no other. No other person can give you this peace. No other thing can provide this peace for you. Only a relationship with Christ can bring this peace, this freedom to your heart, this joy that's everlasting, that's beyond anything you could ever have in this world. The pleasures of sin will never give you this joy. It'll never give you this deep satisfaction. But see, I've never met anybody who ever said, I regret getting saved. But I've met many people who say, I regret the sinful choices I made in life. Or I regret not getting saved sooner or earlier. Or I regret these things that happened in my life. And see, you can either live a life full of regret, or you can make a decision that you will never, ever, ever regret this decision. You will absolutely say, this is the best decision I've ever made. And that is to trust Christ as your Lord and Savior. I'll be standing here, and there'll be others here who will pray with you and lead you today. But if you want to make that decision, you come today as God's speaking to your heart.
Father, we pray today you'll have your way in this invitation. May the Holy Spirit of God move in this service. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Let's stand together prayerfully and reverently as we 